0: All right, guys. Hey, my name is Dr. Shornell Wolverton-Cihan. I am so excited to today to have a return guest, Barbara Lamb, with us. And we have quite a few interesting things to discuss today, and I'm really excited about that. I think you guys are going to enjoy the show. Uh, before we get started, I want to just say hello to Craig. How are you doing, Craig? Our co-host is here.
1: <laughs> uh, very good. Thank you. As you can see, I'm in my kitchen today because Obviously, it's pre-recorded, and my stepson is here at the moment, so I can't use his room, which is what I usually use. Um, so I've set up in the kitchen, and I am quite red as well, um, because it, the sun's out in England. Awesome. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, awesome. I'm extremely honoured to, to be here and, and to talk with the legend that is Barbara Lamb. I'm, I'm super, super excited to get into it.
0: Yeah, okay. Thank you. Awesome. awesome, awesome. All right, well, we just want to remind you guys Um, We do have a members meeting coming up in June. We're working on the dates right now. If you're not a member, you can be a member by just hitting that click. There's there's lots of links here um, where you can find Barbara, Craig, and myself, and also find out how to subscribe, how to be a member um, with our our member meetings that we have monthly. Um, also do your due diligence please do hit that button um, subscribe and or like all those things help our algorithm and so um, for our members we super really really appreciate all of your help and support to help us keep this channel going so much love to you thank you thank you thank you so before we get going here um, I for those who are not familiar with the legend Barbara Um, I have actually found her in several documentaries. That's how I found her. And then I reached out and I was so surprised the first time when she responded back and was like, sure, I'll be on your show. I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Um, But for those of you who may not be familiar with her work, she does a lot of regression work to help people integrate and heal. And, um, but I'm gonna let her kind of explain how she got into this and a little bit of her background just so everyone's caught up to speed if you haven't heard of her. Welcome to the show, Barbara. So happy to have you on. Thank you, I'm happy to be here
2: with you. Well, um, I became a psychotherapist licensed in the mid 1970s and have been doing that ever since. Um, But along the way, I began to get training in regression therapy, Uh, that is mostly past life regression therapy, had training in that for five years. And then by 1991, uh, people who started coming to me for regressions were more people who had had experiences with extraterrestrial beings. Or in many cases, they wondered what those peculiar things were that were going on, and it turned out that they were extraterrestrial encounters. So since 1991, I've been doing a tremendous amount of that work, uh, which has been absolutely wonderful. Um, I have discontinued my regular therapy counseling practice, and I'm concentrating now on doing the regressions because so many people are wanting them and needing them and benefiting from them. And uh, so it's really a a great privilege to be working in that particular way. So also in 1991, that was quite a big year for me actually. When I think about it, um, I had my first experiencer client and that means the first person whom I worked with who had had extraterrestrial encounters. And in that year, not only that first person came, but there were about five other people who somehow found me. I don't know how that happened, but they found me. I guess they knew I was doing regression work. And um, maybe I was open enough, (laughs) broad-minded enough, Uh, to consider working with them for this more unusual reason, that is the extraterrestrial encounters. But 1991 is also the year that I began going to England each summer to research the crop circle phenomenon. So I did that for 27 years. And along the way, um, people that I knew back home, which is California for me, uh, people were hearing about the crop circles from me and th- saying things like, "Gosh, I wish I could go there too. or how do you how do you do it? I mean, where do you go? where where do you stay? How do you find the crop circles? So anyway, because requests kept coming in, I finally, I think around, Uh, the early 2000s, I started leading tour groups to crop circles in England. And um, I tried to keep the group small. Uh, The largest group that that I ever took was 18 people. I didn't want a big busload of people uh, going into one single crop circle. Mm -hmm. So uh, I limited the group. And oh, we had so many adventures going into these crop circles and they're so wonderful. So that became a real serious study for me. And by the year 2000, I and another woman uh, wrote and had published a a book together about crop circles called Crop Circles Revealed. And uh, so not only was I having these wonderful crop circle adventures going into many, many crop circles in Southern England, uh, but you know, I was really researching it as well and interviewing people, uh, English people particularly, who had been there every year when the crop circles were happening since about 19, the early 1980s is when people started really noticing and talking about these mysterious circles and more complex patterns happening in the fields of Britain. So um, that, that's that been a, a really wonderful adventure and uh, it is still happening. And uh, right now, we're just finishing the month of May. And in May, um, Usually the crop circles begin to appear in the in the year, mm-hmm. and some once in a while there's one that appears in April or earlier. But you have to wait for the crops to grow, <laughs> and um, because the crop circles are obviously in actual growing crops, so right now um, is a good month for crop circles to start and. They will continue through June, July, and at least to mid-August. And there's one crop, the corn crop, which the English people refer to as maize. And uh, that crop continues growing until mid or late September. So we've had some remarkable crop circles that have happened in the cornfields and when you consider that a corn stalk a corn plant grows to 10 or 12 feet high and of course it's full of leaves and corn cobs and it's pretty thick each each one of those plants almost like a, a small sapling tree and yet the crops have, that crop has been bent over and swirled and shaped into beautiful laid down patterns, even though the plants are so big and and thick and and full of leaves and corn cobs. I mean, I think it's just dazzlingly amazing that 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 could happen. So it's just one of the exciting things about Crop Circles.
1: Ooh, well, <clears throat> while we're on it, we were just talking before we, we came on and um, just this week, there's been, uh, in, in Avebury there's been a new crop circle up here. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you explained it before, <laughs> before because I was gonna say, oh, did, did, whoever's making them, did they not like it when it's cold or something? And I didn't think it was because of the crops.
0: <laughs>
1: so yes. I'm glad you explained that before. I made a fool of myself. Um <laughs> it's, it's so now, Sorry, go on. Go on. Sorry,
2: it's a whole cycle uh, that happens uh, in the agriculture world. Uh, in other words, uh, the from the previous year's crop, there's the the tilling in the fall. You know, the the turning over and the mulching uh, from the from that year's crop and then the seeds are planted, I believe in the early winter. And then they they grow, they gestate. And by April or or May in particular, the crops are tall enough, they've grown enough uh, to be tall enough uh, to be laid over into these wonderful crop circle patterns. And as I said, They continue to grow um, through May, June, July, and then by about mid-August, they're ready for harvest. Some of them are harvested a little bit later in August, but um, I know from being over there so many summers looking for crop circles, that even by early August, sure enough, one field after the other is beginning to be harvested and uh, mowed down, shall we say, by these big machines. And, and what you see left is like a little stubble. Um, it looks like a, a, a butch haircut, <laughs> I think, with with little stubble just sticking up and um, only maybe about two or three or four inches high. But even then, you can still see the contrast with the laid down crop amongst the stubble of the rest of the field. So it's we can still go into them even if they've been harvested. Okay, then after the harvest, as I say, all of the ground is sort of mulched and tilled and turned over, getting ready for receiving the seeds. For the next year's crop, so that's that's how it happens. So it's it's sort of cute that um, every now and then somebody will say to me, "Oh well, I'm going over to England in uh, January, and where can I find a crop circle?" And I have to say, "Well, I'm sorry, you won't find a crop circle because the crops haven't grown yet.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's no crop to have the crop circle." Yeah placed in. (laughs) So, um, so you have to go during the months that I've said May, June, July, August. I, I always felt after, you know, going over there for two or three years, I, I realized that, oh, the best time to go to see crop circles, if you really want to see more than one, um, is to go in, um, Well, from mid-July till Mm mid-August, I think that is the, the very best time in England. Now, that might be different in other countries. And by the way, it's not just England that has crop circles, but it's a worldwide phenomenon. And so I don't know if every single country has had crop circles, but... Certainly, most of them, at least, have had crop circles. But by far, the greatest number of crop circles every year seems to be in wonderful England.
1: <laughs> here we are. And here I am in the north of England talking to you over there. You're in California now, did you say? Yes. Wow.
2: Right. Wow. And we've even had crop circles in California. Right. And even in Southern California, where I am, although um, people here are not as attuned to the crop circle phenomenon on the whole, uh, but I mean, some of us are obviously, but um, so we've had some here, uh, in even in Southern California, there are three that I know about that have happened in previous years, starting back in 1996. And they've been in Northern California too. And um, in many of the states of the United States, they've had maybe one or two or three. But again, the country that has the most crop circles and has been the most consistent about that is England many people wonder why i mean england is a beautiful country loads of wonderful fields and hills and valleys and plain areas too and um but i think that it is because england has quite a bit of water under the surface of the soil in fact in southern england in wiltshire county and Hampshire County, that area, uh, there's a geological aquifer of water um, under the surface of the soil. So one of the major theories about how crop circles are made is that there is like a vortex of energy that comes swirling down and like a little whirlpool. And uh, or whirlwind. And when it hits the ground, it apparently draws up the moisture from under the soil, which creates a steam effect. And the steam effect allows the plants to just be bent over at ground level uh, very smoothly without any breaking or cracking or Destroying of the plants, and because they seem to be steamed as they're being laid down, they can be swirled into circles, or braided patterns, or all kinds of different shapings uh, because of the steam effect. Wow! So that's one of. The, and then, of course, people wonder: Well, who's creating the steam effect? <laughs> And I mean, who's creating that vortex of energy that comes down and creates the steam effect? And, um, you know, I don't think anybody knows absolutely for sure. But my theory, uh, developed over years and reinforced over years, is that it's got to be some sort of intelligence that's coming from above. I think it's intelligence coming from space. Mm -hmm. And therefore we could assume that it is some sort of extraterrestrial life and intelligence that is making the crop circles. And there have been witnesses too of crop circles. So this is a very interesting subject, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious um, because honestly, I didn't even know this part and we didn't talk about any of this in our first interview. Um, So this is really fascinating to hear. I'm actually curious a couple about a couple things. Number one, you know, you mentioned that you had your regular practice before it's kind of went this direction. Um, What were your belief systems about extraterrestrials or any kind of off-planet you know or even god or you know what what was your belief system And and i and the reason why i'm asking is because i know for me like with health for example i had a very western side and that's the way i grew up but then the more i was looking at all this frequency and different things in eastern things maybe not talked about the proof was in the pudding for me. And I looked at the science and I couldn't deny that frequency crystals and different things still fit, whether the Bible talked about it or Western medicine talked about it or whatever. So I had to come to some conclusions that maybe what I was taught wasn't exactly the truth. And, you know, people go through whatever, and some people don't want to look at that. Some people just stay with what they're told and what have you. But for you i'm curious what were your thoughts before did that mess with your belief system at all or were you just already open to that um and then the second question i have is i'm hearing and i've heard and i've been to stonehenge many times i actually lived in london and i went to school university of london um oh, but I lived there hey. as a child as well and we went to stonehenge several times over the years and i could feel something on the land there's an energy there whether it's a vortex I don't know what you want to call it but I've not been to a crop circle I would love if you do a tour I am like on your list I would like to just please Um, but I've heard that there is like a feeling walking in them or like like a a buzz or something did you experience that I'm so two different questions but this is so fun thank you for bringing this up
2: well, let's let's continue for the moment with the crop circles. Um, yes, there is a special energy in crop circles. And I need to say right away that many of the crop circles are what we call genuine that is made by the unknown force, and they are they have definitely a change of energy in them. And then there are crop circles that are made by people. We call them hoaxers Mm. because they sort of sneak out in the middle of the night and and make a crop circle and hope that people will think it's a real one. And they can do a crop circle that is quite nice looking from the air, can be quite a nice pattern. But the man-made hoaxed crop circles don't have an increase in energy in them, but the genuine ones do. So um, many of us will go into crop circles with some sort of measuring instrument. Um, Some people go in with an electrostatic voltmeter, for instance, or a magnetometer to get a reading on the magnetics that have been activated in the crop circle. Some people will go with a microwave detector and they will get a reading if it's a very fresh, newly laid down crop circle, not if it's been there for several hours or days. Um, And then some of us go in with um, less electronic sort of equipment. Um, I, for many, many years, used dowsing rods, and uh, dowsing rods um, can be programmed, which is interesting. Um, in other words, I at the beginning of every year, I would test which way the dowsing rods would move for a yes answer, and which way they would move for a no answer, or an I don't know. Answer, And I would program them to tell me when there was an increase in energy. So I would walk along the tractor track, which are called tram lines in England, uh, getting to a crop circle. And and my dowsing rods would be very parallel, just straight, wouldn't move at all. And then when I'd step into the crop circle If it was a genuine one, they would open up. Which meant to me that there was definitely from outside the crop circle to inside the crop circle, there was a change of energy. There was more energy in the crop circle. And when I would get to a swirled center, if there was a swirled center, then or wherever the energy was increased within the crop circle those dowsing rods would, would fling all the way around and it was the same with pendulums I very often had a friend with me who would be holding up a pendulum with a you know some sort of a string or, or a yeah. thin chain with a, a bob at the end and that wouldn't move at all moving along the the tractor tract, getting to the crop circle. But as soon as entering a genuine crop circle, it would start swirling or moving whichever way that person's uh, bob would move. And then, you know, in a really energized one, it would be swirling all around. So that was a really good proof. We felt that it was really different inside the crop circle than even a couple of inches outside the crop circle where there wasn't an increase. So the energy applied to the crop circle was very, very specific, just that pattern itself, not lopping over the outside of the crop circle. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now we have to contrast that with the man-made crop circles because Dowsing rods and all of the equipment I mentioned didn't register anything different in the man-made crop circles. They just did not have an increase in energy like the genuine ones do. And also, um, very often you could just tell by looking at a crop circle whether it was genuine or hoaxed because the hoax plants looked dead and they were dead. They actually were. In other words, when they were stomped over with boards or some something heavy by men, they, they broke where they come out of the ground. The, and, and so they lost their connection with their own roots, each one of those plants in a man-made crop circle. And therefore the plants died and and just stayed exactly as they were. But in the genuine ones where they come up and bend smoothly at ground level and lay along the ground, they keep growing and ripening and coming to full maturity. And it's wonderful that there have been people who've been testing the nourishment of those plants, and it was determined years ago that the wheat or barley or oats or whatever the crop was, canola, um, that they uh, were more nourishing, according to scientific testing, they were more nourishing than the rest of the crop in that same field, and certainly more nourishing than the plants that had been laid over in man-made crop circles. Mm-hmm. So there was a time in the late 1990s when there was a group of people that would would scoop up or pull up uh, the plants in a genuine crop circle, you know, in, in great bunches and haul them off and um, take the uh, ingredients of the, the wheat that they, like to make something with and they they made beer and they made muffins and they made bread and cakes and so forth and um they claimed that those products from the genuine crop circle wheat was much more nourishing than regular wheat products made from regular wheat so but that was very very labor intensive so they didn't carry that on terribly long, just a couple of years that, that I know about. But you'd, you'd meet people, even some of the English blokes. Blokes. <laughs> who would say, um, oh, we've got to drink crops. If we're going to drink our beer, we're going to drink Crop Circle beer.
1: <laughs> now, there's a marketing ploy. <laughs> right. That, that, that is a good, I've never seen my Crop Circle beer before, but I would probably
2: try one of those. <laughs> oh, you probably would try it if, the, if it were made. I, yeah. I don't I don't know if anybody is making it anymore, but they did for a while. But as I say, it was very, very labor intensive yeah. to go out into the fields. And the farmers, of course, didn't like people coming in and taking some of their valuable crop mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm just wondering. Oh, I need to say that um, there have been some witnesses to crop circles, and uh, sometimes people have seen one or two orbs, yes, wow. of white light, um, scooting while flying over the field,
1: seen it. At a very,
2: very close level to the field, and um, and as it flies over the field, it just you can see that the crop circle is being laid down. Wow. So that's one method. But there have also been witnesses of other things too. Uh, there are a few reports that I know of of a person who has seen a beam of light hmm. come from the sky coming down and laying down the crop. So that's another method and um, one young man in England near Glastonbury um, actually saw this beam of light coming down and he looked up to see where the beam was coming from and he noticed that it was a circular disc shaped craft up there that the beam of light was coming from and making the crop circle. There have other been other people too who have just heard a noise kind of uh, they describe it as a sort of an electrostatic trilling sort of noise if you can imagine what that would be like and just hear it approaching from one end of the field coming toward them and then going back again in the direction it came and then in the daylight, they saw that right there where it had stopped, there was a new crop circle. Wow. And other people have seen like walking by a field in the afternoon, have seen the top of the crop sort of like ruffling, like, like being blown a little bit by wind, and then it stopped mm-hmm. and then went back again. And no sound with that, but just they could see it. The top of the crop being blown like that. And then after that seemed to retreat, they noticed that out in the field, there was an area where the crop had been laid down into a crop circle. Wow. So, yeah. But still, all of that must have some sort of intelligence about right. it. Mm-hmm. And- Particularly mm-hmm. when some of the patterns are so very complex oh. and geometrically perfect.
0: Right, right. That
2: would not happen by a little whirlwind or a little. No, um,
0: that's breeze. impossible. They're too exact. And they're they're right, just. Right. I mean, yeah, even right. like the the geometry. I mean, they're so intricate. It's crazy. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful example. Yeah. You have, yeah I usually wear a crop circle necklace I didn't happen to put one on today, but um, yeah, so it's it's just one of those delicious mysteries right. I consider it. And I love it that that there's something happening in the world that we cannot explain. you know, I mean with all of our science and engineering and so forth, Uh, There are so many people who understand how things work and how they're made and manufactured and so forth. I mean, it seems like we're doing really, really well with that sort of thing. But I think it's lovely that in the middle of all that we do know, there's this mystery happening every year. and, And we don't know what it is or where it comes from. But it certainly is beautiful, mm. in the case of the crop circles.
1: I've um I've I've not done this before, but um I've pulled one up on uh, on Google that I'd love to get both of your opinion on. It's quite a famous one. Is am I allowed to share screenshot now? Is that is that okay? I
0: don't know if you can. You can try. Let me see. Let's
1: share screen. Um, because there's a really popular one, which to me is quite. If it's genuine, it's pretty mind blowing. Uh, because my question to you was going to be, who and why? Like, who's doing it and why? Uh, but if if we could just, oh, it's saying I'm the co-host now. Okay,
0: yeah, I'll share. give this a
1: go. I've never done this before. Okay, um. <clears throat> we
2: see you and hear you. That's good.
1: Okay. Can
2: oh you yes, that? yes, yes. Thank you. Very important crop circle. Two thousand two. This one happened in uh, southern England, New Hampshire County. And um, as you can see, um, there are two parts to this crop formation. Uh, One certainly looks like the uh, traditional depiction of an alien head, extraterrestrial head, like a gray alien. Then the other part, the round part, uh, looks like a disc, like perhaps a CD disc, a disc of information. So, first of all, uh, this crop circle happened near England's largest radio telescope. That was in the very next field. And it happened in the same field where a very, very significant crop circle had happened the previous year, 2001, which was. It seemed to be an answer to a glyph that we humans sent out from Arecibo, Arecibo, Puerto Rico radio telescope, which I believe was the largest one in the world. Anyway, um, we sent out a message telling all about humans and our planet and our population, our chemical and mineral components, our type of DNA we have, and how we send the messages out. And that was responded to by, it certainly seems, (laughs) Nobody out there.
1: Well, this Uh, is it. This is why I I, I brought this up, just to think, like, in your opinion, um, you know, obviously, this this is a very clear depiction of something, you know, this entity. I've heard, and I don't know whether it's, it's right or not, that it within I'm getting that ear and thing massively at the minute. Um, within that disc is, if you see the little nodules inside it, if you yes. were to, the, the, what they did is they got that and there was a code in that that was like, it was yes. like a, um, a message in it. And I don't know what the message was. I can't remember.
2: Well, um, I do. I do.
1: Oh, <laughs> go on.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, first of all, the, the little dark, what look in, in the picture to be dots. Um, They form an ASCII code, and the code has been uh, interpreted or decoded by various people, and the consensus seems to be that it is a warning. Uh, It starts out, I'm paraphrasing now, I don't have it uh, right written in front of me, but I used to memorize it. Um, But anyway, it starts out with beware of lies and mm-hmm. false promises wow we abhor deceit
0: oh my goodness
2: so watch, <laughs> watch out for what's for what's uh, going on wow. and they said there is still time or conduit closing uh. I, I think that means that whatever that this intelligence is, it's making the crop circles. Um, you know, is trying to communicate with us. Yeah. yeah but yeah. they, and, but they said the conduit is closing, but there is still time.
1: Right. two thousand two.
0: Two thousand two. Two thousand two. So. <laughs> I wonder I for, if it's still time in 21 years later, or is the wind? <laughs> <Probably not. laughs> well, good question.
2: I wonder too. But anyway, um, I think in 2002, mm-hmm. some people were interpreting that message as meaning, you know, watch out for the aliens, right. you know, they could deceive you. But I think as time has gone on, mm-hmm. uh, more of us are realizing, hey, be aware of what's going on right here on
0: Earth. What exactly? We that's know. not. I think that's exactly it. I don't. I don't think they're saying people lying on the planet. Be careful.
1: Yeah, yeah wake cool. yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: deceit, the lies, and yeah, wow. we abhor deception. So. Um, I, I think it was a warning to humanity of, you know, pay attention to what's going on. Right well, if that was,
1: sorry, didn't mean to cut in there. I was just thinking if that was 2002, that was a year after 9-11, um, yes. it's almost as if like this was a response, like, you know, there were things happening on the planet, you need to wake up, you know. Um, I mean, I've stopped the share now, people have seen that. So, I mean, it's kind of answered my question, like, who, and why for that one, but as a general rule, is there any sort of pattern as to who who is doing this and why they're doing it from your research?
2: Well, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any proof, uh, but some people think it is it somehow that the earth itself is doing this that the Earth itself is sort of pulling down the crop into these patterns in certain places. Um, I I do not personally have that point of view, but but some people do. Uh, some people are convinced it's extraterrestrial beings. Uh, some are thinking it's more like there's. In in existence in the cosmos, there is an intelligence. I mean, these things are obviously done by someone, something intelligent. Uh, so some people think it's just sort of a, a a general intelligence that exists, maybe not embodied in in any way. Um, you know, we we just don't know. I don't know anybody. I don't know of anybody who absolutely knows, but different people have different theories. But it is remarkable. And you see, I think that that is one of the wonderful things about the crop circle phenomenon is that it is a mystery. It continues to be a mystery after all of these years. Mm And hopefully it will continue to
0: happen. Yeah, messages from beyond. My goodness, like what other messages do we need to know? Let us know, you know. Please. <laughs> but uh, going back to my first question, I'm so curious. Like, what was your belief before all this? Where, did you Did you see enough evidence that you were like, oh my gosh, yeah. Or were you already there before this? Like, how did the people even find you in the first place? to To do either and the regressions and or the crop circles, like you were you like oh I believe in it and I agree and you already put yourself out there and so people contacted you or or did did you have like just this synchronicities of people you know seeing similar things you know because I like I think of like um Dr John and some of these others who uh you know had you've had on the show with Gaia um where People started coming to him you know with implants or whatever and after they saw so many he's like okay there's something to this but you know and or with like, like dr john he was just a regular psychiatrist or psychologist i choose to remember and then he kept hearing the same stories and then he was kind of went into that whole vein you know john, it, you're yeah. talking about john mack
2: yeah, John Matt. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, we were actually friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. Oh my goodness. Anyway, um, okay, so you've there are about eight questions right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just want to know, like, what did you what did you think before this? Or were you already out there, or did you just come to your own conclusion that there's something to this and and then kind of just morph into that realm,
2: okay well, uh, I grew up um, in a, a a very liberal Protestant Christian church and um you know really appreciated Jesus and God and um so it it had a traditional aspect to it but uh, more more liberal than many of the Christian denominations. And um, I always wondered from early childhood, I always remembered what else is there beside what we see in this physical world? I somehow sensed, I can remember at age four, um, asking my mother being at, at the window and touching the windowsill and looking out the window and saying, what what else is there? And my mother didn't know what I was talking about. And but what I was really wondering about was the physical world. You know, what is there beside the but I didn't know how to frame that uh-huh. at such a young age. It was just what what more is there? Um, And, of course, she didn't know what I was talking about. So, anyway, I I always had an inquiring mind. And um, by the time I was a teenager, I remember, you know, really looking for meaning. I I was having a good life, um, but I was looking for real meaning in it. What is this all about? And so... What I did in that search was encourage my parents to take me to all kinds of different churches of different denominations and which we did. They were wonderful, they obliged that. And um, so every once in a while on a Sunday, we'd go to a different one, Lutheran or Baptist or uh, the uh, Friends Academy. Um, uh, Catholic Church. I mean, we, you know, we just sort of made the rounds. And and I uh, always kind of feeling, well, this isn't quite it somehow. This isn't quite what There's I'm more. looking for. I didn't know what I was looking for, but wasn't quite it. So then when I went to college, I discovered in my sophomore year, I discovered philosophy. And was so incredibly moved, particularly by Plato mm. and his realization that what is metaphysically real is not he- here what we see in the physical world. And that really, really resonated with me. In fact, I I remember weeping mm. in class with oh, relief, finally. There's somebody who's asking the same questions and wondering about reality. I always sense there was more to it than what we could know. So then, um, after majoring in philosophy, um, I graduated and had a couple of different jobs and had children and so forth. And um, then, along about 1977. I read Raymond Moody Raymond Moody's book, yes. After Life, yes. and, and that opened up the whole subject for me of who we really are. Yeah. That no, we, we souls, we leave a lifetime and go back into that wonderful domain realm. Yeah. Um, and and live there as a soul, and then choose to incarnate again. So that got me very interested in that kind of perspective. And then I went to 1981. I went to Peru. And up at Machu Picchu, I had two remarkable experiences in which I remembered in great detail um, being having been there at Machu Picchu in what certainly seemed like another time um, I I was a different person I was a dark-skinned person with dark black hair and um, quite different than I am in this lifetime anyway um, I had a couple of what I eventually called spontaneous past life recalls. And then I went to Egypt about three months later and had a few spontaneous past life recalls, which were in different locations in Egypt. And they were so vivid. And I got a real sense of whether I was male or female and what my life work was. And, um, then a year and a half later, I went back to Egypt and had more <laughs> of these recollections of past lives. They would just happen very spontaneously. So I was already a licensed therapist for a few years uh, by that time. And I was wondering how these past life recalls could be used therapeutically and then, by synchronicity, I met the woman who had founded the Association for Past Life Research and Therapies. Went to their conference, took their training for five years, and we was doing a lot of past life regressions, which I still am doing here and there. And um, you know, more and more about reality was opening up to me and uh, then um, the trainer of past life regression therapy in the last module of training I took, she said to us that those of us who were doing regression therapy needed to know that it could happen sometime that somebody would come to us with the complaint that they had been visited by unusual beings Ah. and, and maybe taken away for a while, a short while, and that they might be very confused, baffled, puzzled. They might even be traumatized by that. And we just needed to know that it was possible somebody would come with that complaint. Well, I had never heard of that before. That was 1988. And I had, I, I had heard of UFOs. I'd heard of other beings, but I thought it was all science fiction. Mm. But this woman, whom I respected very much, this trainer, uh, she was saying this in earnest. And not only that, I mean, that was a surprise to hear this, but even more surprising was that I heard a big voice in my head, and it was not my voice, not my thoughts, big voice in my head said, pay attention to this, Barbara. You will be doing this. (laughs) Whoa. So I just didn't know what to think about that because as I say, I, I thought anything like that was science fiction. Well, then I found that for about three years, I was trying to find material about UFOs and extraterrestrials. And finally, by 1991, I I had concluded that, you know, if anybody ever came to me for that reason, I thought by that time, I thought it was true that some people were having these experiences So I thought if anybody ever happens to come to me, I don't think they will. But if they do, I think I could handle it because I've done a lot of regression work now and I could just use the same methods uh, to that particular question. So uh, right after I thought that two hours later, I got (laughs) (laughs) Another amazing synchronicity. So that's how i got into the extraterrestrial work in terms of doing regressions
0: who was the trainer you were talking about
2: dream miller dream miller okay yeah curious we lived in southern california yeah a wonderful wonderful woman and uh i respected her tremendously so that when she said this very unusual thing you know, I really paid attention. Besides the big voice in my head saying, pay attention. (laughs) I thought there's got to be something to this or this woman would not have said that. So anyway, that, that opened up things. But you see, I think I've been open and inquiring from, you know, so early in my life that as a new thing opened up, I was able to readily... Except that there was such a thing, that there was life in space, for instance, that a lot of intelligence life, and, and either other dimensions that came along the way, too. Oh, I had never heard of that as a young person, but when I began to hear about that later on in, in my adult years, I thought, oh, yes, that that makes sense, too. I, I I can appreciate that. Like if we go on consciously uh, and have a very vivid experience after physically dying, that must mean that we go into another dimension of being. And so that opened up the whole thing of Maybe there are multi-dimensions, which I have come to to realize that there are. So in other words, one thing sort of led to the other. And then in terms of the crop circles, that was a total surprise. I had never heard of them until um, in 1990, in the fall, I went to a whole life expo and noticed in the program guide that there was going to be a speaker talking about mysterious patterns in the fields of Britain. And when I saw that in the program guide, I immediately thought, oh, we're being communicated with from out there in space. I mean, it was just an immediate hit, an intuitive hit. And so I went to that lecture and was convinced that oh this is fantastic i've got to go and check this out so the next summer 1991 i did go for my first crop circle visits and then continued for many many years after that so so that's i think i think that i just sort of came into this life being more open and inquiring, and that as I learned these unusual things that nobody else whom I knew was talking about, I mean, they immediately had great appeal to me Mm -hmm. in each case, whether it's life after life, (laughs) or whether it's the ongoing nature of our souls, or uh, whether it's openness to other beings in the cosmos, uh-huh. crop circles. Um, I just have been past lives. It's been a really big part of my life. Uh, helping people to know about their past lives through regression and knowing about a lot of my own past lives through regression. Uh, so it it's it's all um, been of great, great interest to me, and natural for me to be interested in these things.
0: Well, we're running out of time, actually. But there is a big, a big topic that I wanted to jump into, so we might have to actually do another one if you if you are available <laughs> for that. But I had actually found you. I'm trying to remember the doctor's name. Um, I know i've seen you on like three or four different documentaries but one of them that one of them was about the implants and that doctor one was okay. john, dr john and then there was another with a lady doctor that was talking about all the miscarriages and the women that you've worked with um i want to say it was seated maybe um i'd have to look it up you probably remember which one but i would love to dive into that and just have a whole talk about that and you know some of your outstanding um experiences and or that what you've seen with like repetitive themes in your regressions i think that would be a whole new whole other avenue of things to talk about so if you're cool with that i would love to get with you after this and see if there's another day that we can maybe schedule one more you know one more time to have you back if you're up for it sure Be, be happy to Awesome. Awesome! I
2: love to share about these things because it sort of opens the eyes of so many people. And also for other people, it validates the experiences that they have had. And also uh, with many people who've been wondering about things like you mentioned, the miscarriages, well, they turn out to not really, in many cases, they turn out to not be miscarriages. But anyway, that's a whole subject that we will go into. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, where can people find you? I'm going to have all the links here, but just verbally, so, um, if you could share where people can find you for regression, your books, um, you know, anything okay. that you have to share or, or any places you're going to speak or anything coming up, let us know.
2: Okay. Well, um, my website is Barbara BarbaraLamMRegressions.com, And my YouTube channel, where they have quite a number of talks, more and more all the time, uh, that is YouTube Barbara Lamb ET Regressions, Barbara Lamb ET Regressions on YouTube. So if you'd like to hear more, uh, some of this material will be repeated uh, in other interviews, and then there'll be new aspects that we didn't cover in some of those interviews. Yeah, and lately I've been doing a whole series on different subjects that uh, I have experienced, like one on synchronicities, one on spirit visitations, one on spontaneous past life recalls, um, one on people having been extraterrestrials in past lives. And anyway, there's, there's more, too. Those are the ones that come to mind at the moment. But there's a whole series, I think there'll be about 12 of them on, uh, of my discussing from my own personal experience. Uh, each one of those subject, one subject per interview. Awesome. So, uh, people have been responding with a lot of interest for that too.
0: Yay! Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we we're so thankful. Appreciate you, especially with all the tech stuff. We've I know we've had a few misses, <laughs> but I'm glad we've got to get this, and we'll definitely get you back on here. And uh, just really, really so cool to hear what you've experienced and it's one thing to you know hear something third hand but you were literally experiencing a lot of this you know as yourself and hearing yeah. it from the horse's mouth is pretty cool um, yeah. thank you for that <laughs> right <laughs> craig any final words and how can we find you yeah definitely I,
1: I i mean i had so many questions coming into this and it seems like Somebody, someone, somewhere wanted this crop circle topic to get out. It seemed to just flow effortlessly. And I don't know if anyone else noticed, but maybe a few minutes in, it was either a speck of dust or there was an orb flew right past you, Barbara, on your camera. So when we've done and this is released, I'm going to go back and have a look. It went from kind of like the top center right down, um, and and I was I've been getting hearing in the whole time. I've, I've been, been hearing.
0: I've been hearing, like, the high-pitched sounds all yeah, the whole yeah. time.
1: Yeah, me too, me too. Oh. So something's yeah. taken over this conversation by the sounds of things. Because, I mean, I, I, I've i got loads of questions about that, that, kind of like the hybrid programs, which links in what Sharnel was talking about with so, kind of like the pregnancy uh, or so-called miscarriages. So, yeah, we've got to have you back uh, and talk yeah. about these. Things. But, again, today I think this was a really special uh, conversation because, I mean, crop circles were appearing here in the U.K., Again, there was one just this week. Um, mm. so someone's trying to communicate, let's put it that way.
2: Yeah, um, certainly seems so.
1: Most definitely. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm Craig Martin Walker on Facebook if people want to find me. Um, I, I, in the links, I have a, a, like a meditation music channel, which I'm I'm so busy at the minute. I've not had a chance to do any more, but I will do some more. Uh, you can find me. Uh, I'm in a band called Enth Ascension. I'm a drummer and musician. Um, So, yeah, people. I just love connecting with people as well. And, um, again, Barbara, thank you so much for for doing this. Again, finally we made it. Maybe it was divine time. Maybe it's been postponed for a reason. Who knows? Um, But I really appreciate it. And, like I say, you're a a living legend in my book. I've learned so much from you. So thank you for joining us.
2: Oh, you're very welcome.
0: Thank you.
1: Awesome. If you ever come to Blackpool, let me know and I'll take you for a coffee. (laughs) Oh, lovely. Awesome. Yay.
0: Well, you guys can find me at swiftfire.org. You can also find me at drshornel.com. I have all my books there, classes. Um, We also do biofeedback and soul audits. Um, Yeah, lots of different trainings and teachings and fun Mm -hmm. technical devices and all kinds of, you know, fun things over there. So definitely check that out. Also, if you're not a subscriber, please do think about being a subscriber with us on the channel. Um, Every little bit helps um, whether you're a member or just a subscriber. That way, if you hit that little subscribe button, you can see who's coming up and what different notifications and different interviews that we have um, available, not only in the past, but um what ones are coming up we're here every thursday at noon sometimes we do a little extra ones here and there and so we we love hanging out with you guys and seeing you and we love all your comments and your encouragement and your beauty and we're just so thankful to hang out with you guys in this season so thank you guys so much and appreciate everybody for being here and again thank you miss barbara and i will As soon as we get off here, I'm going to be calling you and we're going to find out another date where we can do another, another session here and get some more really cool information out to everybody. Thank you again.
2: Okay. You're very welcome. Awesome.
0: All right. Bless you guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.